You know what else we don't need? What? We don't need another hero. Yes, we do. We don't need to know the way home. Yes, we do. No, we don't. <laughs> I disagree. What are you eating? Walnuts. All right, here we go. This is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. <laughs> I think we should keep that opening in. Um, opening of you singing We Don't yeah. Need Another Hero? Yeah. Um, Did you really sing that into? The, were you taping when you? Said I was. That? I didn't plan on it, but oh. it, it, it turned out so well. I think I should keep it. Oh, good. Welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number three hundred sixty-four. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who does not want to feel outstanding? My goodness gracious, Saint Ignatius! Always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, on today's show, not a clue. Really. Not- that doesn't mean we don't have anything for you. It I know what that, we're going to talk about. It means that I just got home uh, from a work convention conference thing, which went very well. Six days. Which did not uh, allot me any time to prepare for the show. So we are squarely on the shoulders of my sweetheart. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we are going to talk today about... About that beep? No. Okay. We are going to talk today about what I talked to my women's circle about last week. Uh, Two things. Number one, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows of life. Okay. And first of all, Todd, did you know that the number 10,000 stands for unlimited? I didn't know, but I remember reading a Wayne Dyer book a while back, and it was about how he interprets the Tao. And I remember something about 10,000 meaning innumerable. Right. And it's funny because that it is a Taoist, yeah. um, you know, it is Taoist language. And yeah. again, just think of it as words. Yeah. You know, it's really no different than what anyone else is saying. But I feel like sometimes Taoist language really makes me, it makes me think, you know, that well, it makes me look at it differently. We should do a little bit of... What is the Tao? Because not everybody knows what we're talking about. Are you asking me to describe the Tao? Well, let me try it. It's a book written by some guy that came before Confucius. Mm -hmm. And I think the literal translation is the way. The way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this Asian version of universal principles. And it's really concise and simple. Like the Bible, like... I, you know, as far as Christianity, it's like a big, huge book with many, many books, actually, with a mm-hmm. whole bunch of words. Whereas this is 81, is it 81? Mm-hmm. 81 principles that you can read in an afternoon. Now, here's the interesting thing. You just said it's very simple, but it's actually very complex and paradoxical. Correct. But the way it's 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 conveyed. The, it's presentation. It's yes. few words. Yes. But they are completely, the words are what life is, which is paradox. Yeah. Which is this is true. Yep, this is true. Yeah. And this is the way you have to live, but also live this way. And uh, and as soon, my favorite one, and I say this all the time whenever I'm trying to explain what's going on in my brain, as soon as you speak of the Tao, it's no longer the Tao. Mm-hmm. That's what the Tao says in it. Basically meaning as soon as you start to explain what something is with words and try to put it in a mental box, you've already lost what the Tao is. Exactly. And I'm actually on our website uh-huh. and there's a section called Books We Love. Uh-huh. So sometimes you're like, oh, can you recommend any books? You you did a really good job with this. It's broken into categories. So I clicked on the parenting category and there's a book which I love called The 
Parents Dao De Ching. Mm, it's great. Ancient advice by a guy named William Martin. And it's on our website. If you go to Books We Love and then click on your category. And that is a wonderful interpretation. Interpretation how it uh, connects with parenting. So basically what a bunch of people have done over time, a bunch of authors, is they've taken the Tao and tried to use the language and maybe put change some words a little bit differently so everybody could grasp what it meant. You know, it's translations, right? We're always translating books from, you know, different languages. And this one, that version that you just talked about, is specifically for parents. So it talks about the Tao in 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 relation uh, in to in relation to raising children. Yeah. And it is probably one of the, my favorite books that I own. Yeah. And it's also one of like you said, one it's, of the smallest. It's yeah, you can it's a bunch of small poems about different universal principles. Actually, I think I remember one of the women from Women's Circles cuz we did that book about 4 years ago in Circle and her saying that that's been the most impactful thing that we've ever done. You could never you could you could if you re- read this book, you really don't need any other books. You know, say it's William Martin and William Martin, Parents Dao De Ching, Ancient Advice for let me click on it cuz then it click Ancient Advice for Modern Parents. So basically, if you go to Amazon or to a bookstore and you ask for William Martin's translation of the Tao um, or the, the Tao for parents, you'll find it. It's, it's Or just go to there. our website, click on Books We Love, and you'll find oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to our website, Books We Love. Yeah, you're right, Todd. Thank you. And um, as long as we're talking about it, mm-hmm. the, the different categories that you have created, uh-huh. which are really good, uh, parenting, uh-huh. mindfulness, empathy and compassion, enjoyment, Brain-body connection, new perspective, creativity, self-expression, women and girls, men and boys, sex education, work-slash-business, marriage, education, and for kids. Even a section for your children to read awesome books. Kids books. Kids books. Mm-hmm. So anyways, you did a good job with that. And we Thank never you. talk about it. So, anyways. Okay. So that's on our website, zenparentingradio.com, books we love. Yeah. Um, so... I wanted to talk about the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. And like, you know, I started out saying 10,000 stands for unlimited. So basically what it means is is life Mm -hmm. are the unlimited joys and sorrows. And I love the two words because they give balance to the truth about life. Which two words? Joy and sorrow. Joy and sorrow. Yeah, Yeah. because I think that this understanding, um, you know, because obviously it was written about initially for the Tao, but it's also something that Buddha talks about. You know, it's all it's all the same. Yep. And we're going to read that. I have something that I want to read that kind of demonstrates how it's all the same. But before I do that, basically, we have to have that understanding that life is not, you know, in this country, we always talk about the pursuit of happiness. That's something we should definitely have the right and liberty to pursue. Correct. And, but even digging into what happiness means. Yeah. I think originally the founding fathers, when they said that, they meant to find our own way. Mm-hmm. That we have. Yeah, if we could put our 2017 spin on those words. Right. Finding our own way, because happiness is not a word that you and I really. Well, happiness somehow makes us think that we're supposed to be always feeling good and that. That in life, if we're not feeling good, that there's a problem. Something outside of ourselves. Something that we need to fix instead of viewing life through the lens of 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows, and that sometimes being, you know, it's kind of like uh, I've been talking to my college students lately about uh, labels and um, diagnosis and how depression as we've talked about on the show all the time, is a sign of our body to stop and rest. Mm. So the sorrow 
in a depression is actually the working are the workings of the body to tell us that things are not in alignment and that things are not functioning as they should like envision your body like a machine and things are breaking down and that can be physically that can be mentally and emotionally that can be the heart head connection again it's different for everybody but that's actually the sorrow is what gets us back in alignment. Mm-hmm. Do you see? Mm-hmm. It's the indicator that it's time to get back in alignment. So we view sorrows as bad, but really it's a natural pendulum. And when you say sorrow is bad, I think one way that we can interpret that is uh, what that means is because it's bad, we're going to suppress it. Right, because I'm actually not saying sorrow is bad, but right. what no, you're I know. saying but, is but, that... But you said we, as a collective society, think that sorrow is not such a good Correct. thing. So I'm not saying you're saying it. So, and one thing that I found in myself, I've been doing kind of this work, um, this body work uh, for myself, and I've been going kind of deep. Um, when I say I've been doing it myself, I, I have a clinician that I'm working with who's helping me. And she, I've kind of been able to go back in in time, like the cellular memory a little bit. Wait a bit. second. You have a clinician that helps you? I thought you never needed any help no. and you're perfect. No, no. I say that because a lot of people, I, I I talk to guys all the time and I I invite them to do coaching or therapy and I admit that I have a therapist mm-hmm. and they're sometimes they're caught off guard like, but I thought your marriage is happy. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. That's why. So, well, and also I just... For me, I look at it twofold. Number one, I think that no matter what your job is in life, if you are a parent, if you are a businesswoman or man, if you are a therapist, if you are, um, you know, somebody who is a painter, that it is our job, our responsibility to make sure that we are open-hearted and clear-headed, and that's the way that we do our our best work in the world. So that's the first reason mm-hmm. that I um, always. If I'm feeling like there's something off or I'm interested in something going on with me, I always seek help, Right, you know, some kind of support. If it be through a yoga teacher or a clinician or a body worker or acupuncture, why or not? Or a friend or, or whatever. Or a friend yeah. or you yeah. or, you know, or my own solitude. Like it's it's not one thing. It just so happens that right now I'm doing this really interesting thing with a clinician. And um, and I love Western and Eastern. Yeah. I think the mix are, are amazing. But anyway, what I have found is definitely in that cellular memory of this belief that when I felt sad, it was a problem for people. And I don't even necessarily... When you felt sad, uh-huh. it was a problem for others around you. Yes. Okay. Or maybe it wasn't supposed to be that way. Okay. Okay. So it was a cellular memory of that, this sadness, like a, a memory that I had was... Um, that I felt sad and the shame that I gave myself, and this is a childhood thing. Again, I don't even know when exactly. It could Mm -hmm. be an amalgam of a lot of different experiences. But that I would shame myself like you have everything you need. You're in a home. You have a family. And I had a very traditional family. I didn't have a lot of typical, you know, childhood trauma that people talk about divorce or, you know. And and you have all these things you need around you. Therefore, this sadness is unjustified and you should feel bad about it. You don't it. have the right to feel sadness because right. you have a roof over your head and you have right. parents who love you. So you have nothing to be sad about. Right. And I don't even know if anyone said that to you, me. That was your own inner roommate, your inner dialogue. Exactly. It's something I took upon myself and it could be like an energy I felt from the world. You don't know where that comes from always. But 
that is something that's real deep in my cells. And even though, uh, you know, since I was in my 20s, I've been working to kind of, you know, obviously it's why we do what we do. It's it shaped my life in many ways. It's interesting to get down into it and then have this language that I found the same day that I did this, this kind of deep body work. 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows is the truth about life. And if our kids knew that really early, that life is supposed to be waves of great, awesome experiences and not so great experiences rather than, wait, I'm having a bad experience as something's wrong with me, something's wrong with you, something's wrong with the world. Because again, you know, as Mark Nepo says, just because you're feeling broken doesn't mean the world is broken. Right. And so if we could accept our 10,000 sorrows mm-hmm. and wave through them, meaning that allow it to come through and be like, oh yeah, this is a part of life, then it's a lot easier to go through, it's a lot easier to embrace and lean into our 10,000 joys. So what you're saying is when, and I use quotes here, negative emotions. There's Correct. no such thing right. as a negative emotion, but for the sake of this, this discussion, discussion yeah. anger, frustration, jealousy, sadness, depression, uh-huh. all those are quote unquote negative. Those are the 10,000 sorrows. Right. Those mm-hmm. are, yeah. Those. Oh, so it's 10,000 like different versions of sorrow? Well, I just believe the sor- sorrow and joy. Yeah. You can't define those. Mm-hmm. You can't encapsulate them in one experience. Right. Like sorrows is all those things yeah. that you said. So what we try to do, our kid comes home and got bullied at school or whatever, we need to make them feel better real right. quick. Right. Thank you. Um, so instead of that, we need to allow for the space to let that emotion to process all the way through. Um, and even more than that, I want to take that a level below okay. tr- to tap into the fact that they're having this experience and that is a part of life rather than, okay, I'm going to hold my seat and I'm just going to let it go through. Okay, now it's gone through. Because I'm better. really what it's about, you know, in relation to our kids, we think it's about our kids, but it's about our, our own discomfort yes. for that. So the one yes. thing I was going to say is I happen to be reading a book and it talks about feeling your feelings and all that. And the metaphor he used is that there's a kink in the hose. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is unkink the hose. Mm -hmm. But what we tend to do is all the quote unquote positive emotions, Mm -hmm. let them flow. Mm -hmm. But whenever the negative ones show up, up. we kink it up Mm -hmm. and you can't do it. It's like the yin yang. You can't have one without the other. You can't kink the bad ones and keep on hold of the good ones. And even when you say kink, I can feel that in my body is if you kink an emotion, it gets stuck there. And then that and it will become disease or it will become a bad mood. It'll come, it'll turn into something else. You know what? You and I were having a great discussion this morning about um, some friends of ours who were having a conversation in our presence yep. and they were they were kind of going after each other, nitpicking each other. like Married couple, passive aggressive. Yeah. And like, did you do this? Well, I did it. Right. We, and they went back and forth for a long time. Now, Todd and I are not immune to that. We've done that before. This is not about judging them, but- when we left that situation, we had a discussion about they're nitpicking on the surface. Mm-hmm. But really, if I'm going to use this language you used, what's below it is a lot of kinks. Yep. There's been a lot of emotion that hasn't been able to come through. Yep. So now it's showing up on the surface as nitpicking, bickering. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you feel bad because that's not really who they are. Yeah. That's just what's showing up because of all the kinks. Now, how do you undo the kinks? You actually talk about if you're nitpicking somebody, because they, you know, just to give an example, um, she was nitpicking him about not picking things up. Household chores, whatever, yeah. yeah. And 
what's really underneath that, and again, she would have to say specifically, but I'll just give generally, is I'm doing more than you. You're not seeing what I'm doing. You don't acknowledge, or if I ask you to do something, you don't follow through. So that's the real discussion. Mm -hmm. But what it shows up as, because it gets kinked up, and there isn't either, quote unquote, time, you know, people like, there's just no time to talk about it, or... Or she's unwilling to feel that and she suppresses it and say, well, I should just be happy because at least I'm in this relationship and he's good in all these other ways. So I'm just not going to say anything. And then that will build up. That's where you and I talk about mini meltdowns exactly. and all that. Uh, to, to put a parenting example on there is one of our kids last night uh, was feeling um, just feeling heavy. So she said, can you lay here with me? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, yeah, I'll lay here with you. But I put my dad parenting hat on and I said, um, what are you feeling? She's like, oh, I don't know. And so I gave her language. I like, are you feeling sad? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling joyful? Are you feeling scared or whatever? She goes, I'm feeling a little scared. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, oh, what is it that you're scared about? She's like, I don't know. And there's part of me that wanted to keep digging. Mm-hmm. I chose not to. She's like, dad, I just want you to lay with me. Right. So I did. Mm-hmm. And I was very grateful for that, even though my ego wanted to solve a problem mm-hmm. that probably didn't need to be solved. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to lay with her. So I say that story to you because as, as much as I try to integrate that philosophy of just allowing our kids to have these, you know, moments of heaviness, sadness, whatever it is, and just create the space to let those feelings be instead of trying to fix it. Um, So the one good idea that you gave to me is that when I see her today, reinforce and say, thank you so much for Asking. asking. And I'm so glad I was there to be with you. Yeah, like, thank you for asking me to lay with you. And man, I'm so glad that you know what to do when you feel scared. Yeah. Rather than, I'm so glad you told me everything, so now I'm going to carry it and worry about it. It's, I'm so glad that when you're afraid, you ask me for or, support. Or, what is it, did you find out, did you figure out what you were scared about? You know, like, that's like another not... Yeah, I wouldn't do that. No, and, and that's what I'm yes, saying. It's okay. like a lot of dads or moms might do that. Like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Right. Maybe you're not supposed to get to the bottom. Well, of it. here's a differentiation between head and heart because what head wants to know is it's logical and it wants to know what the issue is. I want to parse it out. I want to look at it. I want to see how we can solve it, and I want to get to a conclusion so I can can kind of like you know mm-hmm. be done with this and we can move on. Right. What heart does is it accepts all of it, and it's it has that belief system that ten thousand sorrows and ten thousand joys are both completely a part of the human process. So we don't need to solve it all the time. What we need to do is figure out when we're in a 10,000 sorrow, mm-hmm. how do I help myself? Yeah. And if the way I help myself is is by saying, daddy, lay with me, then she's already done the work. That you is the work. That is the work. Now, the more, now here's the interesting thing where it gets even deeper. The more you are able to show up for that without solutions, the more she's going to trust you mm-hmm. to possibly... Now, she's a lot like me, so she may not have a story for why she's afraid. I have a lot of visuals. I've started drawing. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I've started trying to... Well, it's my, it's my stuff. I'll share oh, when I'm Oh, they're not on the vision board or no, anything? No, no, no. Okay. Um, but I've started doing... Because I always say to Todd, and I probably say it on the show all the time, I see it in my head, but I can't give it words. Which is interesting because you're a words person. Right. But the reason I'm a words person is because I find it fascinating and fun to find a word for what I'm feeling. And when that combination comes together, it's like jackpot. Mm-hmm. But I can't always do that. So the the visual 
if if we allow our kids to just have the feeling and maybe not be able to express it in words and we're just there, the more they may be capable of trying to give words to it and knowing that there's space for it, that we're not going to jump all over and go, well, wait a second, you shouldn't be sad about that or why would you be sad about that? That yeah. if you're open to just laying there. Yeah you're probably also open to her trying to work it through with words. Yeah. And some of it's small, like last, like, I don't know what she's worried about. I think all our girls get a little afraid at night. And some of it in my example that I've shared with the, on the show many times is the night my mom died, I struggled. And you said, you know, long story short, you said, do you want me to leave? So you can kind of be alone with your grief. I said, no, just lay there. Right. So it could be like smaller day to day things, or it could be big things. And I just want to make that uh, illustration to people. The best gift we can give to people we love is our presence and our witnessing of who they are full, whole. And that means to be able to witness the 10,000 sorrows and not feel that it's something we always have to fix. Now, the paradox of this is there may be times when they ask for help that's more literal and maybe we do come in and do something to help. So it's not one or the other. It's both. Yeah. There are times that I literally do help. Like I, you know, my daughter, my 13 year old, she's going to be 14 and we're trying to figure out her birthday party. Not, you know, this isn't grand in the scheme of life necessarily, but it is for her right now. And she really wants help. Like, tell me these ideas and what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And I am literally helping her. So the million dollar question is, how do you know? When you need to help and how do you know when it is just a vehicle to let them... You let them take the lead. Always. You let them take the lead. They'll let you know. But are there times when they want actual help but won't ask for it? The more you accept wherever they are, the more space they have to ask for support. If you go after them and say, I want you to ask for support. Ask me, ask me, ask me. It's funny. Okay, can I bring Stranger Things into this? Sure, even okay. though I've never seen it. I know. Todd, you've seen the first one, though. Uh, yeah, I don't remember any of it. But So Todd was gone for six days, and so I decided I'm going to watch a show while he's gone, and I finished Stranger Things. So those of you that have seen it, I know I'm way behind. It's been out forever. Um, but I really, I thought it was really good. And some of what, I, you know, there's a lot of parenting stuff in it that I thought was interesting. One of the things that I said to Todd is that it's such, it's an 80s show. Yeah. Like, it's, it's set in the 80s. And the freedom of these children was not overstated in the show. That's the freedom we all had. You were just gone with your friends. You would just take off on your bike. You just had... You're gone all day. All day. No phones. No. So if our parents wanted to get a hold of us, guess what? They couldn't. And there were there were scenes in the show that were so true. Like, you know, he would be like, Mom, I'm going to be gone. I'm just going to be gone all day. Don't even bother finding me. And she'd be like, what? She'd be like, okay. Like, there wasn't... The kids had an inner and outer life that was entirely theirs. Mm. I know we're not living in that time. My comment right now is not to say, let's go back to the 80s. I just had an appreciation for how I grew up. Well, and I think it's a good gut check because um, this might go off on a tangent, but we kind of still are growing up in that time. We've just chosen not to be the same. Yes, like, this is true. You know, the ideas that kids getting scooped up and put in cars doesn't happen any more frequently than it did in 1982. Actually, it happens less frequently Correct. than it did in the 80s. And I think that's 80s. an important yeah. note because, you know, I, I'm as guilty as anybody. My kid will say, oh, let me go downtown, which is like eight blocks away. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I'll drive you. Why? Right. We talked about that the yes. other night because 
again, because Todd was gone, I was doing all the carpooling for my three girls. And there were a few times when I literally had to say, you have to walk because I have to take her or I have to be home here. And they were like, okay. Mm -hmm. So when the option is not available, they are completely capable of doing what they need to do. But when we are home, it's just easier. It's easier. So I want to go back to Stranger Things. One of the moms. um, Is this Winona Ryder? No, actually, she's she's. But that's a whole nother story. She's really interesting in this show. I found her to be where some who have maybe only seen the first three or four may think she's a little off the edge. She was actually more in tune than anybody else. Got it. But the other mom, um, Mike's mom, she would say to her kids, both her kids, Mike and Nancy, always, I'm here. You can talk to me. And the heart was there. She's a good woman. Mm-hmm. But they were like... No, we can't. Yeah. And a lot of that was... Those are her words. Exactly. There was no space and time for it. There was no... Like even Nancy, her daughter is kind of talking about her parents and she's saying, my parents don't love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got married because they had to. And, you know, it, kids are... They know what's going on. They know if you have space for them. And they know even if you're saying, you can talk to me... They And this, again, let me reiterate, this mom was doing her best, Mm -hmm. but she was not connected to their life experience, even as much as she tried. Well, and conversely, there was probably parents that never say, you can talk to me, but they create an energy, they create the space where the kids just offer it up. Like, how often do you say to our daughters, you can talk to me? You don't. No. They just know it. Yeah. Well, and that, like you said, that is, you try and create... Talk talk is cheap. Well, and words can influence like there's nothing wrong with saying you can talk to me but understand that as Todd just said those are words and if the energy behind you can talk to me is I'm really busy are we done here um I really don't want to know this because if you're going to tell me you're anxious or upset I'm going to tell you really why you shouldn't be if your energy behind the words if they're completely aware Mm. that you don't get it or there's no space for it they're not going to tell you and that's the commentary it's hard because that's the commentary I've probably gotten from parents the most when I'm doing therapy with parents is, I can't believe my kid did this. They knew I would support them or help them. And the parent knew it, but the kid didn't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, sort of. Meaning that the parents, like, I would have helped them. They know I would have helped them, but really that didn't get relayed. Yeah. And that's not a blame game or a shame game for the parents. It's how really do we reach our kids. And the way that we really reach our kids is by having that space and having that acceptance of the 10,000 sorrows and joys and not being freaked out when our kids are anxious. And if our kid says, you know, the sport I've been doing for five years, I'm actually getting quite tired and I don't like it anymore and I want to try something new. And instead of talking them into continuing because it makes our life easier, we actually listen. Right. And they may then stay with the sport. Yeah. But our anxiety is out of it. Yeah. So anyway, that was um, my Stranger Things segue. All right. Very good. Are we going to read that thing? Or is so, it, hold, well, before you do that, let me, can I talk about our two partners? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, Jeremy Craft, uh, Bald Headed Beauty, Painting and Remodeling. So if you got a spring job, it's March already, my goodness. Um, Call Jeremy up, 630-956-1800. That's avidco.net. He's your guy. And then uh, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, She adjusts our whole family twice a month. So if you live in the Chicago area, look at Dr. Kelly, and you can go to chirotree.com to learn more about her. Um, this, there's this thing that I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it actually is also from Mark Nepo, interesting enough, and it's called Unlearning Our Way Back. 
do you, listen to that because I know you're moving on to the next learning our way back right. to God. Right. And it says to God. But you left that off. The only reason I'm leaving it off is because I don't want I'm fine with that word, right, but not everybody, not everybody is. is. Sure. So on learning our way back, you can say to God, to love, to self. Okay. Okay. So take this in. I'm gonna do this slow. Each person is born with an unencumbered spot, free of expectation and regret, free of ambition and embarrassment, free of fear and worry, an umbilical spot of grace where we were first touched by God or love or self. And this is what I find so interesting. It is this spot that issues our peace. So whenever we're talking about inner peace, Mm -hmm. this is the place we're trying to get to, that spot that's free of all this, quote unquote, learning that we have done while we've been on earth. Because when you come in as a baby, that spot is wide open. Right. You've accepted everything. They're more conscious than any of us oldie moldies. You don't come out and say, oh, I hope the nurse is going to wash me soon. Mm -hmm. You're just accepting everything. Or like Wayne Dyer would say, like, you know, in utero, like the baby's not worried about whether or not its nose is going to grow. It trusts it's coming. It just trusts that it's coming. Yes. And that's that's kind of the thing. So... So I want to focus on the different language we use for this, okay? okay? Psychologists call this spot the psyche. Theologians call it the soul. Jung, that's Carl Jung, calls it the seat of the unconsciousness. Hindu masters call it Atman. Buddhists call it Dharma. In the Quran, it's Nafs. Rilke calls it inwardness. Sufis call it Kalb. And Jesus calls it the center of our love. Okay. So it's all the same thing. Right. We just all have different language for it. Correct. So when we're trying to differentiate between these things and say, this is why, you know, this is right, or this is why I'm right, everybody's trying to say the same thing with different words. Mm -hmm. So to know this spot of inwardness, inwardness is to know who we are. And I think about that as being like that third chakra that, you know, that's... Um, that yellow space, it's like in our stomach energy, if we're talking about chakras, that is our sense of self. Okay. Okay. So we don't know it by surface markers of identity. Like we don't know it because of our job or because what family we're from or because of our last name. Right. And it's not by where we work or what we wear or how we're addressed, but by the feeling our place in relation to the infinite and by inhabiting it. So it's by just knowing who we are because we are, because we came from something bigger that we can't really understand, and this is just who we came here to be. And it has nothing to do with job or career. It just the is, it's the isness of who we are. So am I, are you still with yeah, me? Yeah, my word would be essence. Yeah. But insert your, and everybody insert listening has their own word of what it is we're trying to describe. So this is, this is a hard lifelong task for the nature of becoming is a constant filming over of where we began. Okay, so the visual is we come in as the baby. We are completely, as you said, Todd, our essence. And then we start learning right away to put layers on. Mm-hmm. Literally, you come in naked, yeah. and what do they do? They dress you. They, they put you in a little burrito thing. <laughs> and and, we're in, please... Uh, back away from the, oh, this is right or wrong. It's paradoxical. It's what needs to be done to keep you warm, but it also starts to cover us. And, you know, as we get older, we learn things. We were watching videos yesterday and when our children were babies and they run around naked as a jaybird. Totally, all the time. Now, 
That won't happen. No, that won't happen. Anyway. And there are reasons why. Yeah. So again, it's the paradox right. of We're not saying not right to run wrong. around naked, but it's just a metaphor. Are you sure? Do you want people to run around naked? Do you want me to answer for real? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll stay away from that. Okay, stay away from that. Okay. So um, so this is so life by its very nature is a constant erosion of what is no longer essential. So really we start out as babies, we start to get covered up with all this new learning and then coming back to ourselves is letting go of those layers so we can get back to our essence. Ali Sheedy from Breakfast Club, when you grow yes. up, your heart dies. Yes. And what I would say is that that quote stands alone. I don't even want to change it. But as you grow up, our heart gets covered. Mm -hmm. So we or, are still, it didn't die. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't die. It gets covered up. It gets covered up. And what up. we, what we said to the people at the conference two weeks ago is this is not about learning anything. No. It's about removing layers of stuff that was given to you that you, that don't serve you. You must unlearn what you, what have, you learned. have learned, said Master Yoda. You must unlearn what you have learned. So our life is the ongoing tension between growing tarnished, that means growing up and having new information fed to us. Or covered over, but then also wearing it back to that spot of grace at our wearing core. Wearing it back, removing layers. Removing it. So we're getting new information. Okay. And we also have to keep track of our essence. So somebody's listening to this podcast right now, yes. hoping for some tidbit to make them a better parent. Right. And what we're trying to do is, great, maybe the tidbit is to quit learning for a second and remember who you are. To do both. Yeah. That while you are giving your kids, quote unquote, information, also keep them in touch with who they are, which is by, so people will say, well, what do you mean? It's as simple as, I don't know, what do you think? It's as simple as when they say, what do I wear today? I don't know what feels right to you. Yeah. Um, you know, mom, what's your favorite color? Mine is this, what's yours? Mm -hmm. Keeping them in touch with what they know and believe. Like, um, it's funny you're talking about those videos. Uh, JC was laughing at herself because there's, you know, obviously it's them as kids and she's like three or four and her outfit is nuts. Mm -hmm. Like she's got an Argyle, uh, you know, tights and then this dress with this shirt under it. And she goes, oh my gosh, my outfit is brutal. I go, you always chose your clothes. Yeah. We did not play any role in that. To take that to an extreme, <clears throat> Skylar used to wear her jacket backwards to Every school all the day time. And zip it up in the back. And there's certain philosophies out there like no you got to wear your coat the right way why, <laughs> why? keeping you warm so what if it's backwards and she did this when she was four yeah, or five she was in preschool who cares loosen the grip parents. right and the, and there's a reason there like if it's really something where you're like okay i don't get this at all then ask them mm -hmm. there instead of no you're doing it wrong do it like me it's tell me about this whole wearing yeah. the coat backwards thing and then again loosen up just like you did with Cameron and you just laid down and didn't ask a bunch of questions, loosen up and allow them to tell you without getting ready to pounce on why they're wrong. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to jump ahead. So, so it, the film that we have on ourselves, you know, this layer, layer. that we're trying to remove, okay. it could be culture, memory, mental or religious information, trauma, or I love this one, sophistication. Hmm. Because sophistication is, we believe, learning how to be in this world in a in a way that we are judged as being sophisticated and successful and talented. Yeah, we are what we do. We are what we how we dress. We are what car we drive. We are how we what words we use. How we hold ourselves. Where we put the fork. You know, it's so. And when you talk about trauma, I call that baggage. Right. So this is the covering that we may have. 
the removal of that covering. This one is in bold. I'm reading along with Kathy. This is in bold in bold and in italic. So this, this I put, is, I did that. This is important. This is what I thought was most okay. important. The removal of that and the restoration of that spot of grace is the goal of all therapy and education. Mm-hmm. So what I what we started talking about with the ten thousand joys, ten thousand sorrows, and how you do therapy and coaching, and how I do body work therapy, all those things. What we're trying to do is not get to a place where we go, oh, now we're healed and it's done. It's a constant process of peeling layers and going back and forth yeah. of like getting, having a, t- a touch or a taste of that place so you remember who you are, then you can go forward in the world with more clarity. It doesn't mean then you say sophistication sucks. I still, if I'm going to a fancy event, we'll dress up. Yeah. I have no problem with being a worldly person. Yeah. I have no problem with being a human being on this planet. Balance. Balance. But can I still touch who I really am? Because then it makes it not such a big deal if I don't find the right dress. <laughs> so this unencumbered spot that we're talking about that yeah. you gave all these religious words yes. for. Dharma, how heart. Do we, how do we get quiet enough? to be able to touch it. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what all therapy and education is about, is that what this show is about is getting back in touch with that. Now, we can only point to the moon. Right. We can't get, we can't, we can only point you in the right direction. Right. When you read a menu from a restaurant, it's not the food. It is a symbol of what the food is. Of what the food is. can be. So we can't we can only have pointers t- in that direction. Correct. And 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 nor should we know how to do it. No. This is what all texts like the Bible or any other text or any other parenting book or whatever, they are pointers to the moon. Yeah. But you have to do the moon work. Mm-hmm. You're the one who has to get there. Like and these are just ways and like almost like a uh, different kinds of manuals. And that's why you have to figure out which manual speaks to your essence because they're just words. So if this manual speaks to your essence, it doesn't necessarily make that manual better or the manual that everyone should use. It is the way that you can get to your moon. You know when I feel the unencumbered spot, the dharma, whatever you want to call it, when I'm doing uh, mindful breathing Mm -hmm. and like doing something simple like drinking water. Mm. Like there's something so pure about breathing air and drinking water. Like Like that is when I feel at my fullest. Okay. Now let me say this, and this will give you the paradox of life. But success means you make a lot of money, you work hard, you don't sleep that much, and you demonstrate how you're better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So you're saying life joy and essence comes from water and breathing, right. yet the culture is telling us everything it's else. everything else. Right. This is the covering mm-hmm. and the uncovering living together. 10,000 sorrows, 10,000 joys. These things, you can't just have one. Yeah. Like, you know, yoga used to teach and it still does in some you know areas to be out of the body and only be the mind you know only get yourself out and do the drinking of the water and that anything else wasn't worthwhile but the human piece which is i think what we always try to do on the show is let's be human while we're being spiritual Mm -hmm. because you can't be one without the other well we sometimes say before enlightenment chop wood carry water after After enlightenment enlightenment, chop wood carry water but as i'm talking to you the more i think about that before enlightenment and after, like there is no enlightenment. Enlightenment is like, oh, I got there. 
No, enlightenment doesn't have to be I got there. Enlightenment okay. means I had a moment of touching my essence. Got it. Because just and by definition- And the moment will, will go away. Exactly. And okay. what you'll realize is you still have to chop wood and carry water. You, we think we're going to have an enlightenment that sticks when really enlightenment is just the clearing away of the film and you feel it. And then you go back to making snacks for lunch. Right. You go back to your humanity, but you return to your humanity with a sense of your essence, so you're no longer angry when your child doesn't have her shoes on. So I almost think enlightenment is knowing that it is possible to have these moments Mm -hmm. and knowing that it won't last. Yes, and knowing it because you've experienced it, not because it's an intellectual exercise, but because you've actually felt it when you were drinking water. Mine sometimes come in yoga or meditation, but they sometimes come at really strange times. Like I'll be driving and a song will come on and it touches me at the deepest level. I didn't create that scenario. It was created by something bigger than me and I felt it. And that to me, so it's not always our doing. Sometimes it's a surprise or you meet someone or you fall in love or your child does something lovely and you have that deep feeling of connection to all, you know, that is, that is, that is it. So my third one is we have a tree in our front yard, which we always talk about just the fact that that tree is as alive as I am is just awe inspiring. You know, one of the things I have written in my meditation area and I've written it several times is that tree has been fine since November. Mm -hmm. I have not. I've had a lot of emotional right. fluctuations. So that tree, that tree is, has more, been fine. is smarter than you are. Yes. That tree has tolerated and accepted everything about now. Do you know who else has? Who? Smokey the rabbit. Yes. We got a rabbit, and I've probably said this on the show, but I think it's just so worthwhile. You know, when you have three kids and you're trying to do all these things and work, I literally go in and out of my house like, 28 times a day. Mm-hmm. And that rabbit is just sitting there <laughs> looking at me. And I know the rabbit is thinking, or at least I want to think that the rabbit is thinking. Slow down. What are you doing? What are you doing? Everything you have is right here. Right. Look at me. <laughs> Look Watch at me. me. Yeah. He, she's my teacher. My goodness. She lays down on her belly. She makes no sound. No. She is a little Buddha master. She really is. Right. I think all animals have that capacity. It just so happens that Todd and I love a rabbit. And she just lays and watches and sniffs and allows people to love her. She's very loving Mm -hmm. and eats and sleeps Mm -hmm. and wakes up and has a deep and looks out the window for For, six hours. I will leave. I'll come back six hours later and it hasn't moved. Now, maybe it took a nap in there, but I don't know. I just, that rabbit is just more, even more so than Greeley. Yeah, that Greeley was our first rabbit. Our first one frumped around the house a little bit more, but this this rabbit's like smo- like high and smoking dope the whole time. It's just chilling the entire time. Right. Well, and like it's it's this it's zen. It is zen. And Greeley, as we now know, not to get too deep about our rabbits, but Greeley was sick, and we didn't know that. Yeah. And Greeley was male, mm-hmm. and Greeley was yeah. had had was. And this is so interesting. On the outside, Greeley was beautiful. Greeley was one of the most beautiful animals I've ever seen. Completely gray, perfect in how you looked at this animal. Yet inside, Greeley had a bad heart. We didn't know that. And he died and it was really traumatic. And Smokey is missing a leg, has a really weird ear, is not pretty from the... I mean, she's a beautiful rabbit to us, but she's not Greeley. Can I talk about Greeley really quick? Please. And this is kind of a heavy story, but um, my mom uh, was sick And I thought maybe, and she was so sick, we brought her to live with us for the weekend. Mm -hmm. 
and I had a fantasy football draft in Omaha mm-hmm. and I got on the plane. I'm like, I really shouldn't go. My mom is sick. I need to be with her. Mm-hmm. I got to Omaha. Mm-hmm. You called me and said Greeley just died. Mm-hmm. I never left the airport. I got on a plane. I came home. Mm-hmm. I spent that entire weekend with my mom, and less than two weeks later, my mom had passed away. I know. Do you want to talk about the universe? It wasn't two weeks later. It was days later, my sweetheart. It was a week later. Yeah. Yeah, less than two weeks, because yeah. I came home on a Sunday, and then that was that next mm-hmm. Saturday night yeah. that she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I, I, I have such gratitude for Greeley because I didn't have the discipline or whatever the word is. Inten- you didn't have the, the intensity or feeling. I didn't have the patience. Uh-huh. I, wa- I was more in ego. I want to do this. I want to be with my friends. My mom's going to be fine. Greeley dies. I get back. And then I spent a, a powerful three days with my mom. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that it was going to be one of the last days I had with her. And I'm just so grateful to that silly little rabbit. Mm-hmm. I know. he. That whole week was very uh, spiritual in nature. There was a lot going on that was very mystical. And we, I don't... You, you know what would have happened? If Greeley didn't die, I would have gotten drunk, played fantasy football with my buddies, come home hungover on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Instead, I was in my best self yeah. for my mom that weekend mm-hmm. and you and the girls. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Yeah. It was one of the toughest times and one of the most teaching times yeah. of our life, you know? So just to finish this, um, oh, interesting that you brought up Ali Sheedy. We call the filming over a deadening of the heart. Mm. You, you just said that. Yeah. So the filming over it is, again, all those things, those experiences, those traumas, those you know untruths that were given, it's a deadening of the heart. And the process of return, whether brought about through suffering or love, is how we learn our way back. So this is why the joys and sorrows are both necessary. Sometimes suffering brings us back to life. It resuscitates the heart. Sometimes the joy resuscitates the heart. And sometimes we don't get to choose. I think people are like, well, I'm just going to choose the joy. You know what? People die. Mm -hmm. People get sick. Things happen. What we can do is accept it and be there with it. And this is very, you know, it sounds like it's easy to say, but I'm not saying it from someone who hasn't experienced these things. These are things that I have had to, maybe not in the moment that it's happening, because of course you want to push away something that hurts. I mean, I don't put my finger on a stove and hold it there. I don't want pain. But when it happens, you trust that it's the part of life that a learning is going to come from. To you or for you. Yeah. You can look at every experience, whether it's good, quote unquote good or bad, that either it's happening to you and to you means at the effect of some external thing or are things happening for you. When something bad happens, this is happening for you. Is there something that you can learn? Is there something that you can grow as a result of this quote unquote negative experience? And it's just that small shift that makes all the difference. And if you don't feel like being in a teachable moment when you're in pain, if you're like, I don't give a crap what I'm supposed to be learning, I don't want this, can you just accept that it's happening? Rather, And, and this is a really big leap, but sometimes people are like, I don't want to learn anything. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. When I'm in pain, even though I know that I'll probably get something from it, mm-hmm. blah, 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 I'm like, I, I don't what, you know, I've said to you about, you know, the election and other things where I've been like, I just want it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I know this may be good and perfect, but I don't want this. But can you accept the fact that you can't accept it? That Yes, that's the prayer. That's the work. The prayer I do is not change all these things so my life is better, but help me 
to embrace all of what is, Mm -hmm. because that's the inner work, because I don't have control over the world. I don't have control over you. I don't have control over my children. That's the definition of surrender. Surrender doesn't mean throw up your hands and put your head down and say, I can't do anything. It's surrendering the idea that I can control other things. Can I stand up and speak up? And can I be my full essence? Yes, and I will but I don't control everything. Control, control. You must learn control. Honey, that is it. Um, I really enjoyed this podcast. I don't know if anybody else will, but sometimes I'm like, eh, that was pretty good, but this one was good. But sometimes thing, podcasts aren't good and people are like, oh my God, I love that podcast. So I don't know how this one will land, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I do want to, my, my, my schedule has finally opened up. It's been a crazy few months for me. I'm making a concerted effort in getting more guys uh, the coaching help that they need. I have uh, a coaching practice. It's called Todd Adams Coaching for Guys. Um, We'll set goals and maybe already have a goal and we'll just kind of fine tune it or um, help you get you there quicker. And we work on relationships, finances, career, health, parenting, anything and everything. But it's one of those things like it's an investment in yourself and uh, I just invite the guys out there that might want to do it. We could do it on Skype or phone or face to face. I am a certified life coach through Tony Robbins, and uh, we have a free. I have a free session, so half hour session. So if you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And on a much simpler note, um, if you uh, live in Chicagoland, I only do things face to face. But I have a private practice, a very small one. But if you're interested in a session, or I actually can do periodical, not periodical, that's the wrong word. Periodic, Uh, is that the right word? Sure. Does that mean occasional? Yeah. Okay, so I can do occasional sessions or monthly. Just uh, email me at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. One thing, we did get one iTunes review. It's Ah. titled, Always a Joy. This podcast has something for everyone, not just parents. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I love it. Love every episode. Always entertaining. This is from Alaskan Farmer from Ah, the USA. I love that. So thank you. And then... um, don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast on our website, zenparentingradio.com, and every new podcast will get delivered to your inbox. You don't have to check your podcast app on your phone. Um, and then if you like our Facebook page, uh, Facebook page, you can uh, get it first by clicking on that drop-down arrow. You know what that is? Yeah, like where you get the notification. Yeah, see it first yeah. or whatever. I've, I've scrubbed my newsfeed where the first 10 things that are on my newsfeed are usually positive um, positive Facebook page. That's a Kathy Todd. We have to do that or else we'd go crazy. Cause I do look at social networking a lot. It's how we discuss, it's how we have conversations with people who are listening. So, you know, the whole idea of never look at it, I can't really do that, but we can create a feed that is much more connected to our essence. That's right. <laughs> and don't forget, um, Kathy has three amazing books. So if you're interested in getting a gift for yourself or somebody you love, Go to uh, zenparentingradio.com and click on store or whatever it is. You'll find it. Um, That's it. 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows. It is life. See you guys soon. Adios. Have a good week. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. 
Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. And uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.